Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. We're all here. We're going to be talking some, you know, rumors, some news, some stuff. But I, I have to I start off with two things. One, anybody who calls any company and calls their customer service line who is stuck on hold for 10, 15, 20 minutes, when you're listening to like their little jingle or some like Muzak that they've pumped in and it repeats over and over for like every 30 seconds, you want to go on a killing spree. It's, it's the most annoying thing in the world. There's it, it, it's an, I won't name the, the company, but it's a, a rental place and they're, a, they're a sponsor of a particular hockey league. And, you know, they're playing their like, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We pick you up all this stuff on this little commercial and it's repeating over and over and they're not answering the phone. And I'm just like, I had to hang up and call back. And of course, when you hang up again, it goes right through the next time. But you you could have been stuck on that call for 20 minutes. Yeah, I've been involved. But, now, I'm gonna, this, I'm, I'll get, get ahead, I, you know, here's what I could say about that, Mike. Yesterday, I was returning my rental car because we had wrecks at similar times. Uh, mine worse than yours, I guess. And although, although you have suffered more than me, like mine, my car suffered, you, you're suffering. But at any rate, I call up Hertz because now Hertz has a lot of these satellite offices where they're like this one Hertz by me is inside of Pep Boys and Hertz is tied to the hip with State Farm. So you don't have a choice. You got to use Hertz. So I call Hertz and I said, hey, by chance, if I bring my car there, can you know, you drive me back to my to my house? And they're like, yeah, sure. How long will it take you? I said 10, 15 minutes. I get there 15 minutes. They're not there. I wait 10, 15 minutes. I just drop the keys off with the guy at Pep Boys hoping no one smashes into the car and leave and walk home. I try them three other times. They don't pick up. And then finally, like an hour later, they pick up. Oh, yeah, we got your car. Yeah, it's fine. It's like, you know. Yeah. And now, now this, you'll, everybody can appreciate this. Uh, and I can, appre- I can appreciate the bad luck that I have had the last few weeks. I get into an accident. I get a rental car. My my the my car is gonna take is I'm supposed to get back today after almost th- over three weeks. Last week, yeah yeah miracle of miracles. Last week I'm at the grocery store. I'm putting groceries in 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 the in the trunk of my rental. Somebody pulls into the space next to my rental and scratches the rental. So you know of course I'm pissed off. I get all the insurance information. I go back to the rental place. I give, I file an incident report. I do all the stuff that you're supposed to do, and they give me a new, a new vehicle. Yesterday, I get a copy of a incident report blank from the rental company after I had already filed something immediately that they wanted me to fill out. And it's got like 500 things of information. So I'm going through it this morning. You know, it's taking me an hour. And the one thing I don't have is the license plate of the first rental car. So that's why I was on hold for 45 minutes. And finally, when I get through to somebody and they give me the license plate number, they said, well, why are you asking? I says, well, because because your corporate office uh, sent me a copy of an incident report they want me to fill out. The guy says, Oh, you came in and did the incident report last week. You don't have to do that. I don't know why they sent it to you. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I just uh, <sighs> can you people, friggin' believe it? These oh are the same gosh. people that survey things at home. 
That's yeah. the same <laughs> Mike, there's a great Frank Zappa song off his Chic Your Booty album called Fresh Flakes. This is the story of your life. Go listen to it. He even does an awesome Bob Dylan impersonation in the song. It's all about your life. Oh, yeah. Raising my lonely dental floss. Okay. Anyway, I'm done. We'll get started. to Montana soon. I mean, one thing you know about that you to get to get a call. Yeah. You sound like you're talking to us from the face of the moon today. So um, you're a little bit. Uh, I, I've cranked him all the way. He's in his car. So the, yeah, let me, okay. hold on. Let me. I might be like, are you using a particular microphone or, or a headphone or something? I don't have a headphone. Okay, it's fine then. You're fine. You're fine then. Yeah. Because we can do this. Totally fine. I just we just can't talk over them. That's all. You're going to use a headphone. I was going to say forget it, but you know, get rid of it. Since you're not, that's fine. Okay, let's just go then. All right. Well, everything's fine. It's yeah. technology. I mean, what are you paying for this? Yeah, come on. Anyway, here we go. Mm -hmm. Hello, Hockey World. It is Tuesday, December 11th, 2018. I'm corporate America's biggest fan, Michael Agello. <laughs> I'm Peter Tessier, paying homage to Gritty. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. <laughs> and I'm Eklund. If you'd like to get to an insider, press seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hockey Buzz guest with HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that brings you the hockey news and uh, every weekday. At some point. So, uh, yeah, um, I wanted to get to this. Um, <laughs> I wanted to talk about this memo first to start with, because uh, this world-famous memo I wrote about today that is uh, that was sent around last week, apparently, to the to the referees. I don't know if you guys have discussed this yet. Um, no. That's okay, cool. I haven't been here. But um, getting a lot of attention today among players, especially who have been, who've been joking about it and saying, you know, like, what, ne what next, you know? Basically, the memo went out and said that they want the referees the NHL wants the referees to call less penalties. Essentially, they they think there's too many power plays in the NHL. They think that they want they want to like loosen things up a little bit, and uh, you know, and that that's all they really. From what I was told, you know, that's all it was really said. But it was it's been taken now by others who've written articles about it to mean like the NHL wants the game to get physical and more physical and more violent. I don't think that's the case. I think they just they wanted more or less the less of the ticky tack, you know, penalties called, which. I think we all agree, you know, with at times would be great, but it, but the, the 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 rough thing about this is, this isn't just like a meter that you can dial forward and backwards, you know, like it's not, and that seems to be the NHL's mo over the last couple of years, you know, like, you know, like I remember once joking around with somebody who worked at Google and they said they had a dial on the wall, they could make as much money as they wanted to, they could just dial it up or dial it back. You know? Um, this the NHL feels like they can do that with power plays, and and I really don't think that. And I, I know that there's been a lot, lot less fights, a lot less aggressiveness, um, but I have a theory on this, and um, I'm going to throw out to you guys, and um, about why this is more, why we have less aggressiveness in the NHL, and not, and it has nothing to do with fighting. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about violence. I'm not talking about anything like that. I mean, none of us want to see illegal hits. None of us want to see hits to the head or blows to the head or anything like that. Um, we all agree with that. But what I do think, my biggest pet peeve, and and rest, I've been sitting next to rest in the press box. You've heard me say this as well. This happened in a game we were watching a game earlier this year. I can't remember which game it was. Uh, it might have been the Tampa game. Um, and uh, I <laughs> the fact that you know when we were when I, when I was growing up when I was playing hockey when I was taught hockey and everything like that and when I, I was watching hockey as a kid the, there was a, there was this thing called finishing your check right and finishing your check meant that you know if the last person who had the puck you could hit that person 
Um, you couldn't illegally hit them, but you could follow through. So basically, if you were skating as hard as you could to get the puck from that person, and that person threw the puck away, dumped it off, you could still hit that person um, as long as it was legal. You couldn't, you couldn't, you know. And and that that finishing of checks was a big part of the game. It was a big part of momentum swings. We all remember going to games where teams came out came out flying and finishing all their checks and everything like that. And and now you see a guy dump a puck off. And the, the the check is finished, you know. And I know that there's a there's a mystical or whatever two second rule they have now or something like that that I've not, heard of. Not two, even not even two point two point three seconds. Two point three seconds, right? Um, which is just ridiculous. I mean, the idea here is players should be allowed to finish their checks, and here's why: because and it's not because we want to see people get hurt, and that's it's not because we need more hitting or more checking. It's that if you're going to play aggressive hockey, you know, there's only so much so much. You need, you need you need a certain stopping distance in the first place, or else you're going to be have to you know you're going to get hurt, or you're going to hurt your or hurt somebody else. And if you're going hard after a play, um, you know you should be allowed to finish through with that play. Otherwise, what happens now when players get called for finishing their checks, and they call, the, the call they always use is interference, which is, infuriates me to no end because the interference rule is the, you know does the person was the person the last to touch the puck, and they they are in this case, so they shouldn't be interference, but right. they. But if you're, but if players stop skating hard to play defense, then that's what they have to do if they're not allowed to finish their jacks. So the bottom line is here: you have like a bunch of guys, and I've talked to players about this. You know, they're, they're sick of me talking about it, and they, but they all agree that you know if we're going to play hard defense or hard, or we're going to forecheck hard. We can't because we're going to get called for finishing our checks. And the the perfect example of that is the Zach Hyman suspension on Charlie McAvoy from Saturday. Um, it wasn't a head hit. It wasn't rule 48. It was a high hit on the chest Mm -hmm. as McAvoy passed the puck around the net. He was looking in that direction, did not see Hyman who was coming along the boards. Hyman hit, hit him and didn't crumple him against the boards, but it was pretty close. It was a hard hit. And in the explanation, George Peros said it was a, a dangerous hit. And it was predatory. Well, but, see, I think, and I think the thing, the difference was, a little, and I agree that that was on the edge. Um, but I think the difference without saying again, that's a blind. It was a bit of a blindside check. I thought it was. It was a late. It was late, and it was. It was. It was. Sli- it wasn't blindside, but it was late. It was significantly late. But what I'm what I'm saying, I because for you, you know, when you're talking about finishing your check, that was the that is the prototypical finishing your check. He had passed the puck. He wasn't looking in the direction and he hit him. He didn't hit him head high. He didn't slam him into the boards from behind. Right. It was was what would 10, 15 years ago have been deemed a clean check. Now I think, and Russ can speak to this. McAvoy had just come back from a 20 game um, uh, absence for concussion issues. So I, my feeling is, that Hyman got suspended just as much for the hit as he did for the fact that he hit somebody who had concussion issue and was just coming back. You can't, uh, you can't base suspensions on that, but they didn't suspend Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson last week for hits that were similar, although in the center of the ice and they did suspend Hyman for that one. Yeah, there's no question. I, I agree, Mike, that that's part of what it was because of McAvoy's, um, concussion the other big problem here is though when they came out of the lockout we saw more power plays even the league was like we are going to see more power plays with the rule changes and everything else and now they're changing it back this is what i hate about all leagues and when they artificially sort of 
burn and affect the rules to change scoring because everything has to always do with scoring. And at the end of the day, I wish they would just leave things alone and just go with your blanket rules. I don't think it's something... time, Russ, because scoring is up. You know, I mean, I don't think yeah. this is up. I don't think scoring this is, is up. scoring. You know, partly and okay. Number five on Let's... five scoring is it right? So that's yeah. probably what they're looking at. Power play scoring is up. Right. So think of it this way. In the lot in the 2004 2005 lockout, we came out of that, and one of the key issues was there's a lot of rule changes that happened. We ended up with the shootout, right? We ended up coming out of that, and the league had time to do other things and worry about contract negotiations, they had time to look at the product on the ice, and they realized they had to do something about the product on the ice, particularly because they lost a year of hockey. So, what was the one era we had just come out of? They changed away from the clutch and grab. Yeah. Players are now coming in at speeds unheard of before. Right. And the gear, even 15 years ago or 13 years ago, let's just go through 2005, is the sticks are better. The gear is better. Yeah. It's more protective. It's more comprehensive. There is the, the fitness levels that we're seeing now. Just remember, in 2005, BioSteel didn't exist. The things these guys are doing now have gone to new heights. Yes, they trained before, but now it's it's in overdrive. The players are in better shape than ever before. The level of skating in this league is insane. Yep. And now they come flying in, and injuries are in the increase. Concussions yeah. are like out of this world compared to what they used to be. One, because we're a lot more aware of them, but because of the way hits are. Yeah. This is a this is just as much a player safety thing as it is about scoring. If you're going to the NHL needs to decide what kind of what it wants its product to look like. What are fans going to identify with? And then it has to build it from that point. Not saying, well, we need to tinker with this because that's cause and effect. You change this. Coaches have a pressure to win. They have to do something. What do right. they do? They find the alternative way to deal with it. You can't just close, put one finger in the dike and then hope another hole doesn't spring loose. You've got to yeah. look at it as a holistic, bigger sense. And this is one thing. And, and just to finish my point, the one thing I want to see change, if you're going to let players go with abandon and you're going to change change this, um, this stuff with uh, finishing your checks, if you're going to take that away, then you know what you have to do? You have to take away the ability for a player to chip the puck and the defenseman to skate in front of them and completely obstruct them. Right. Get rid of that and let the, make the defenseman turn so they go at the same time rather than to slow down. That's the biggest problem. If the defenseman yeah. can't get in the way and he has to play back a bit and then adjust with the player coming at him because the yeah. player isn't tossing the puck to the boards and going to the inside. Well, what they're what they're afraid of the, in that instance. What's what that? What they're afraid in that instance, Peter, is that the that you know you make the defenseman turn and the forward is going at full speed, and then he freight trains the defenseman into the end boards. That's what the, that's what they're concerned about. I mean, yeah, they'll blow right past the defenseman. Maybe, this but is, but they'll, they'll also they'll also try to neutralize him too, and and they'll have the speed it's advantage. Impossible to take to take to, to that that little def, uh, you know to 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 actually have a rule that says defense can't like get in the way of players skating in because it, it's really. There's but just it's obstruction. It's it's obstruction, it's, it's so hard to actually prove at times because there are so many players going different directions. You're it, it, there's a natural like you know like you can't run picks. You know it's like a 
I mean, what do you call it? You know, basketball, you have a straight up pick, you know, that's what you can do. You can't do that in the NHL. That's interference. But, but it happens all the time. Okay. It happens all the time, you know, as a result of things accidentally or, I mean, and I do think that, I do think part of, you know, the safety is defense being able to hold up their guys a little bit, not, you know, not through methods of like grabbing them like they used to be able to, but, but it's skating in front of them or shielding the shielding from, for, you know, basically like what you would do in soccer, like shield the ball. I, they, there's some of that going on. And I think that that's kind of hard to avoid. Um, I think it's hard to monitor. And I just, I think that, you know, there's no question, Peter, that you're hundred percent right. That there, you know, there, there's players are skating so fast. There's going to be more injuries. There's going to be more collisions. It's just the way it is. Equipment's lighter, but not necessarily more protective. Um, and, and you can't protect against brain injuries, no matter what equipment you have. So it doesn't even matter. So, I mean, that, that at the end of the day, you know, two guys colliding at 35 miles an hour, someone's going to get a concussion. It's just how it works. It's, it's physics, right? You can't get around it. So, the um, but, you know, I think that a little bit of that could actually be slowed down by by allowing people to finish their checks because there's no question that that is a it, – it, it's a physical aspect of the game. It's, it's defense taking a pounding a little bit. Remember that whole concept of other defenses taking a pounding today and they're wearing them down, wearing them down, wearing them down? That's gone. You know, there really that doesn't exist at all right now. I mean, but you know what? Eck, the problem is, is if you're going to let guys finish their checks, if they're anywhere near the boards, they're going to be putting guys through the boards again. Well, that's boarding. To... That, that's always existed. I mean, that no, we. No, no, no. But once you once you blur the line again, like you basically have to spell it out. If you're letting you guys to, finish, yeah, checks, there what... have to be areas that you can do it in. Right. You have to explain what boarding is. We all know what boarding is. I mean, that's a rule that no, already but, exists. But you know what's going to happen with that. I, I know, and, and players are going to get called for boarding, and I think that that's fine. And then when we were kids, if you someone finished their check away from the boards and you hit somebody in the boards, that was that was what it was. We knew what it was boarding. You don't do that. I'm talking about you know finishing your checks like open ice, and not and and not blindsided checks. I'm not talking about blindsided checks. Were always a, were always a penalty. You know, there's certain things that have always been penalties. It's just there's a there's a definite step forward, backward thing that we're doing here. That yeah, but but trying to get to this happy medium, and I think it's not. But where, but where the game is going right now, I mean, you know, this is the thing. And I, I like, I love speed in the game. I love skill in the game. But, you know, with, with the rules and, and the way the game is going right now, it's going towards, you know, smaller players are being drafted in the first round because they have skill and right. they can and they can play the game the way the game is, is being legislated right now. If we go in a direction where we want to emphasize physicality again, then I think you're going to see – it go back to the way it was probably in the in the 90s where big behemoth guys are being drafted and you know Lindros and Leclerc and Chris Gratton and you know guys who are six foot five who you know and now Lindros could skate Leclerc wasn't that great it wasn't that great of a skater but bigger guys even though they couldn't skate that well were sought after because teams needed that big behemoth out there yeah you're not gonna see that ever again because everyone's gonna have to skate like and bigger guys are gonna get drafted because they're bigger always anyway like you know they there's but everybody has to skate now and everybody can skate now because because of training and everything that that's just there are hardly any players out there that just literally can't skate you know very well or what have you that's that's I think that's well, kind of the ones that we see. There's plenty that are in the minors. Oh, I'm I mean, sure there are, but you know, anyone who makes the NHL, you do have to be able to play a little bit. You can't just be a goon. You have to be able to play. There's no question about it. But what's interesting about the effect that Tom Wilson is having, right? Like Tom Wilson had a huge effect last year on the Stanley Cup run um, yep. on the team, and he's having a huge effect. He had a huge effect this year on the Capitals when he returned. Right. Um, we are seeing what we are seeing the beginning of the cyclical thing that happens in the NHL, right? Where if well, every, if no Tom Wilsons exist. 
and then a couple exist. The couple that exist make a huge impact, and then everyone starts to get a Tom Wilson, right? Well, right. And 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 I wrote, see. I wrote about I wrote about this on the weekend because of what happened with Austin Matthews last Thursday, where Nicholas Cronval hit him in the corner. It was, it was he he um it looked like he nearly got another shoulder injury, and then Boston really outmuscled the Leafs uh, in, uh, in, in Boston on, on Saturday night. And, and Mike Babcock came out last Friday act and said, well, our toughness is our power play, which is one of the more asinine comments I've, I've heard from a really good and respected coach, because you cannot, you cannot, uh, uh, de-emphasize another team's physicality by, by uh, you know a, a single power play, they will take that, and especially in the playoffs, they will take that exchange every single friggin' time. If you have a chance to run John Tavares or Mitch Marner or Austin Matthews into the boards and and lower the percentage of his effectiveness because he's hurt or because he's in pain, they will do it every single time. It's called a war of attrition in the playoffs yeah, yeah, for yeah. a reason. Yeah, you're right, and um, I mean, I know what he's, you know, we all know what he's trying to say there, but. It depends how the game is being called. And that was the article I re read in the Atlantic about this whole this memo was got into the Flyers-Penguins game last weekend and said that in that game, the Flyers were allowed to throw them, their bodies around a lot and the Penguins, you know, didn't get the power plays and therefore didn't win the game. Right. Um, I, I don't um, – yeah, I didn't really see that game the same way. I mean, I, this Flyers seems – first of all, it's just people. it's easy for people to consider the Flyers physical, but they're just not. I mean, they're not a physical team. No, they're not physical. I mean, There's a couple of guys – I mean, no. that's the issue, right? So, I mean, I, I just, I think that we, you know, I do think, because the other side of things is that we just take away all of this and we end up with like roller hockey, right? Like we end up with like roller no, hockey. But here's, okay, wait, wait. It won't be roller hockey, but we, you do have to decide, like in football, if you lose possession of the football, it's a really big deal because you may not get it back for 10, 15 minutes. In hockey, if you lose possession of the puck, you're getting it back pretty quick. Sometimes it's a goal against you, but most times it's not. So what you have to decide is, do you still need to hit to separate a guy from the puck, or do you just need to play a different brand of defense? I mean, it can be done, and with speed in the game, you don't necessarily have to have this big physical element. Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't – I think – I don't agree. I mean, I, I think that – I. We, we were headed that way, but I think that what we're – like I say, again, Tom Wilson, what we're seeing there, what we're seeing with other players like him is that there is a physical element that needs to exist. Right. I, I think there has – the thing is I think there has to be a balance. If you look at the Capitals last year, they had they had top-end skill. They had Oshi, Ovechkin, uh, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Carlson, all skilled players. Ovechkin can also throw his weight around. Wilson is is a bull in a china shop. Smith Pelly made his presence felt. Guys like Orpik and Niskanen are have sandpaper. There's a balance, and like my my critique of the Leafs right now is really there's nobody other than maybe Nazem Kadri who provides any kind of sandpaper. A team like Winnipeg, a team like Nashville, a team like I think Tampa Bay, Boston, they have both elements. That's why yeah, they're contenders. Team, that's team toughness. It's not like, well, yeah. because you have Tom Wilson, I have to get Cody McLeod. No, no, it's team toughness that you. Right. Need. That's what. 
But that's but that's different. That's not saying just because you have Tom Wilson, I have to go get a Tom Wilson. I don't agree right. with that. I'm not adv- see, I'm not advocating the return of Colt Nor and Fraser McLaren to no, Toronto. But I mean Wilson played a factor in the Stanley Cup finals. I mean right, but Wilson can also play hockey. Wilson's a top no, six. No, no, I'm not and I'm not saying that we're gonna ever go back to the era of just goons. I don't think that's coming. But I do think that with every small player that's added to the NHL there is this, going to be this natural counterbalance that's coming, you know, that's going to come back where these players are going to have to, where if a guy's small and can skate really fast, that's one thing. But say a guy can skate really fast, but he's also six inches taller. Yeah, but I, dis- I disagree with that because if you go look at, like, the Canadian Football League, those guys are a lot smaller. The sport's different. It's faster. They need to have more of a speed element. There will be some day where the average height goes down tremendously in the NHL. You don't have to have – all these big behemoths. That's it. That's well, not correct. Yeah. Plus, they only play with Football, you can have smaller players is because the field's 30% Wider. larger. So, right. right? No, you, you need I mean, guys you can get around. It's smaller, it's going it, to, history tells us that it'll get smaller until it doesn't. Until it, which, you know, go ahead, Peter, go ahead. No, I, I was just, I, I, I'm agreeing with you. I think that's totally the case. It will get smaller because what's happening now is teams are realizing they can actually win without having to ice people who are flawed or one-dimensional players. They can actually find players who are skill set. Maybe they don't have the they're not six foot two and two hundred and ten pounds. They're five foot ten and 178 pounds. Right. And they can still win using that player because the game is getting faster and we need someone who has more skill and their detriment is size. So maybe they don't go into the corners all the time and do the do the total dirty work, but they can do it now against. Fifty percent of the league, as opposed yeah. to only twenty percent. Right, and because you know, Russ, sure as hell, the next couple drafts you cover, when you're doing the combines and when you're talking to prospects, people like that, you're going to hear the words, "He's the next Tom Wilson." No, I disagree. Actually, you're not. You're I not. I guarantee that's going to happen. It always happens. No, no, I disagree. Actually, what what will happen is there'll be a few teams that believe they have to do that. Right. And if somebody spends a first or a second round pick on that, they'll be foolish. Like when the Leafs were foolish and took Tyler Biggs, it'll be like that. And it'll be that. Right. I'm not saying people won't make mistakes with it. They will, but you'll hear that of, of certain players that would not have really even been considered that much before. Yeah. Like, he's in, he's considered the first round because he's the next okay, top. But also it's hard to even say I am drafting the next Tom Wilson because most guys that you draft that are that size with that speed don't get to the league right away. They usually take five or six years. Right. Those guys are the slower track guys like Nick Ritchie's. So, again, teams don't want to necessarily draft guys that take that long either. So I don't think they're going to start loading up on these guys. Well, they won't load up on them, but let's just say that teams are intrigued by a guy who has that, 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 physical, that kind of physical stature who could – play in the league at the speed that it's at right now. And like, for example, the Rangers, when they drafted Sean day, you know, what is he? Six, four, two I mean, he's, yeah. he's a big, big kid, but he's got skill. And the, but the, right. you know, the whole thing is whether well, he could put it all together and they got him, I believe in the second round. So, you know, yeah. that, that's, that's an intriguing possibility for the Rangers. <laughs> and, and Wilson was a, was, a, I think a mid first round pick and, yeah. you know, I mean, it, you know, his... Nobody's spending a mid-first round anymore on a Tom Wilson type. They're not right. Right. If they do. They're make their draft it wrong. I mean, unless, unless his skill, unless his, he's a unless he's a plus speed, plus skill player to go along with being a bull in a china shop. Oh, no, you're right. And, 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 
These guys so will take their time to the develop. That's right. Right, you're 100 right. These guys take their time to develop, but they still will be. There will be some drafted because of what Tom Wilson has brought to the league. And and I'm not talking first, second, third round. I'm even, but I'm saying there will be players who are drafted so, down the sure line. They, there'll be there'll be guys like that drafted. There's no question about it because there will always be guys that are big guys that go into a draft that you say, all right, you know what, I'll take a chance on this guy. But what I'm basically saying is to develop those guys to spend early assets on those guys, teams aren't going to do that. Like, Wilson in this era is still drafted too early. He may have won a cup with Washington, but they had all these other things in place. You right. can't draft a guy based on toughness. The Rangers did that with Dylan McElrath. They were lacking team toughness. They drafted the guy. And my big, my big problem with that was how many years will it take for that toughness to get there? And it took forever, and by the time it got there, he was so injured it didn't matter. Now, right. let, let, let me ask this because I, I heard this on, on Toronto radio this morning, and obviously you guys, you know, you and Eck, uh, Russ and Eck are, are close to, to it because you, you go to Flyers games. Um, and the, 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 the name of Wayne Simmons came up, and it's going to come up a lot between now and February 25th and in, ter- in terms of if the Flyers decide to trade them, what they will get in return. And – I, I think that, you know, obviously with going on the subject that we were just talking about, you know, a player who can play physically, can keep up with the pace still, is a, is a, is a rental, so it's not a long-term commitment. You know, Darren Drager was saying, well, he's going to probably be the typical player prospect first-round pick in terms of what Philadelphia can get back from. I, I, I'm skeptical of that. I don't know if that, that – I'm skeptical. Yeah. I'm skeptical, too. I think it will be a conditional first-round pick and a B or a C-level prospect. That's it. I don't think it's anything more than that. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think the bidding war could bid up Simmons to that type of package? Because, like, for example, I don't think – like, if, if Boston was interested in Wayne Simmons, and that would be, you know, typical because he's a, he's a Bruins type of player, Is are the Boston Bruins giving up a first-round pick – you know, Zaboral and Lou and Jake DeBrusque for Wayne Simmons. Not a no. chance in hell. No, no way. No, I don't think at first. I don't. I don't, I don't think. I, don't, I actually don't think we're going to see first round picks go almost for anyone anymore. I, I think that's another thing. First round picks. That's are why they're conditional. If they if they were to make the Stanley yeah. Cup, they become yes. the first. Yeah. Or if he signs, if he signed a long deal or something like that. But right. But you know, yeah, because you can't. I mean, you just can't. First round picks in the NHL are proving to be, you know, the first. We no longer have like the first three or four guys. This is the first like fifteen to twenty guys are all making impacts pretty quickly. So it's just right. well, you know, that, I mean, I mean, Peter, Winnipeg traded their first in the Stasny deal. I mean, yeah. that I don't know if that really had detrimental effects to them because their organization is so deep. Yeah, you, 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 once you have a deep organization, you have to you can afford to spend those things, right? Yeah. that's just the right. way it goes. Like, I mean, a, a first round pick for the Leafs this year should be an automatic. Like they right. like. You know, like everyone should be calling up Dubas right now, saying what, like, when you want to trade it. <laughs> like, right. it, it's a given, right? And, and and that's fine. The other thing when you talk about picks, though, too, is that teams are starting to realize that you can find like a, a like a bottom fifteen first round pick is no more of an assurance on on talent anymore than a a, a bottom like than a second round pick. That's like your top 15 has gotten deeper, 
on good years, but your bottom 15 hasn't increased your likelihood. Some years it does, but you're just as easily having a, having a 40th pick. Right. As you well, are, I, mean, I think you're right, but I think you're right yeah. for the wrong reasons. I think well, I Russ, can, Russ can talk more accurately to that. I mean, because, yeah. because you know, a guy like Pasternak was picked in the 20s. See, this is guy, my guy, theory, guy. and then Russ can agree with it. <laughs> All right. So, um, my <laughs> so the first 15 picks are absolutely better than they've ever been before. But the issue is now there is so much depth that from 15 to like 45 is all really good. That's my opinion. Yeah. yeah. In most drafts, I would say on the average, that's true. I mean, I'm thinking, what was Roswellvik taking in the 20s, right? Yeah. yeah. And he's playing. So, but but again, it does depend still on the draft. But I'll, if I if you want me to say on average that's true, it's probably true on average. It's probably close. There's yeah, just not coming out than ever before. I mean, it really, I mean, there really is. I mean, when you look at the, the impact, it's, it's all. It, 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 it does vary from draft to draft, though, because I can say from, from the Toronto, perspe- Toronto perspective, Freddie Gauthier was taken in the 20s in 2013, and he's at, board, at, border, at best a borderline NHLer. And Rasmus Sandin, the Leafs' second, uh, first round pick this year, who was picked, I think, 20, 27th or 29th or something like that, um, he. It's possible he makes the NHL next year, the way he's playing in the American Hockey League. So I think this this changed really recently, like yeah. 15, 16, like around then. I think that's when we've started to see this this huge influx because I think this to Russ, to your point, um in the twenty fifteen draft, there are only two player one player after pick twenty who's not played one game yeah. in the NHL and only one player with one game or less. Everyone else has played a minimum of seventeen games. And that that person, the low one, is Gabriel Carlson on Columbus. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, well, yes, there's definitely value there. But when you go and look at the second round, it's not as big a drop off. And I think that's the point that some teams realize. Still, well, you know what? I, I agree with that partially, but it still depends on the organization. If you go back and yeah. you look at Edmonton Oilers in the second round, it's yeah. a disaster oh, yeah. for the most part. It also yeah. depends on Higher the year. Fire. You have to know your year, and you have yeah. to have very a very good understanding of where you're scouting, too. Because you, you, you want to make sure, like, if you know you're going to, like, your scouts, like, now, like, if you're Toronto, your scouts should know we don't even need to worry about the first round pick. This thing is in play. And if we get it great, we'll figure it out, but they need to be scouting on picks 40 and down like players who are going to be there and find the diamonds in the rough there. And I think that's what teams are starting to figure out. They do anyhow. But again, like historically speaking, like if you look at like the sharks or you look at Nashville, those teams can pick in the second round and do just fine. But not every organization can do that. Even a Winnipeg, I don't know long-term if they were to lose another couple first-round picks, what that would do to them, as an example. Um, Let let me go go in this direction because I I find it funny. Uh, Chad Johnson was placed on waivers yesterday and claimed by Anaheim. Um, Well, Ryan Miller has just announced that. I think that had to do with it. It was just announced that Ryan Miller is going to miss like three months. Right, right. Minimum six weeks, right? The review. Yeah. and they and they made a they made a minor league trade too. The, yesterday they picked up they had to uh, stock up the San Diego and the AHL, so they picked up Jeff Glass from the Marlies. But the point I was trying point I was trying to make is anytime any goalie right now 
is put on waivers. They're getting claimed because I think right. goaltending goal has gotten to the point like quarterbacking in the NFL. There are not enough good goaltenders, not enough goaltenders, period, to go around for 31 teams, and now it's going to be 32. You know, that that's definitely it, true. And you know what's even, what's even more about that, Mike, is the fact that more goalies are getting hurt than ever before. Like, yeah. It's an unbelievable Yeah, more goalies are getting hurt. That's goalie true. injuries. Every team needs two legitimate goalies, and they know it. Like they have to have, and they need, and their third goalie has to be. They need three goalies. Are going to get in there? They need. Uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay can thank their lucky stars that when Vasilevsky went down. Now you know they're a great team, and I'm sure that being a great team in front of Louis Domingue has helped. But Louis Domingue has got like 13 victories. He was second star of the week last week. And we were all saying, and me included, was saying Tampa Bay is going to be in trouble the next month without Vasilevsky. They haven't skipped a friggin' beat. They haven't missed yeah. anything. Well, they've, they've, I, they've given up a lot of goals, but they're still winning. I mean, it's pretty funny. You know, but, but here's the difference between the quarterback and the goalie when you're drafting. When you're drafting the quarterback, at least that person's been in college minimum a couple of years. So you have an idea of what that person can do mostly at the next level, not 100%. Right. But when you're getting an 18, 19, 19-year-old goalie, most of them are nothing like what they're going to be in three or four years. So that's, it makes it so much harder. But the point I'm the point other point I'm trying to make is the teams out there that we've been talking about that need goaltending badly, like St. Louis and Philadelphia, good luck. I mean, it's going to be tough. If, if, you know, if Jonathan Quick is out there, okay, fine. I'm sure LA, you know, if LA is is willing to move on to, to go towards the young goaltenders like Cal Peterson and Campbell, I can understand that with them sort of like being in a sort of a retool, reset mode. I, I get that. But the price is not going to, you know, it's not going to be, well, we want to get rid of this contract. They're going to expect to get something significant oh, back. It's possible that they could get like a player that is way better than we thought for Jonathan Quick. I've been talking to people about this. Like there's, there is a lot of support for Jonathan Quick around the NHL. Um, it's like, and then that kind of leads me to my next little, like the next topic that it would end with okay, today. Okay, but give me an idea. Don't just throw it out there like that. Give, give us the idea of the quality of player. All right. Um, Travis Sandheim is not, is not off the, off the, out of the question. Wow, right, you know cool. what? And if I were the Flyers, I'd be like, "No way, man! Sorry." I'm just saying. I mean, that that. Uh, that no, I'm just. Well, I mean, that's yeah. the level. I mean, you're talking about like, yeah. okay, Quick has Quick, of course, is under contract for a couple more years. Right. Um, four, four, also, three, three or yeah, four, four years. It's a cheap number, though. It's not terrible. It's fine. You know, you can. It's 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 workable, especially when you have a goalie like the Flyers are going to have a goalie on their entry level contract in Carter Hart. So their goalie budget. It makes sense for the Flyers to do it in that way, you know, because they can actually go out and spend $5 million. But, uh, it, okay, so wait. So now you're telling me you've gone from Carter Hart's going to be the starter maybe this year to next year to now, well, he'll be the backup and he's still going to develop. Like, that's still wrong, too. He's not going to develop as a backup. No, I don't think – I don't know that he's going to be the backup. I mean, we could be looking at Quick as the backup here in Philly. Uh, mentoring. No, you wouldn't stop. No, I'm serious. I mean, <laughs> no, think about it. Never- he would quit before that happened. Trust me. This guy will not ever be a backup. You know that, and I know that. No, I, not anymore. I mean, they're, oh, they're at which goalies get older, and if they want to have longevity in the league, they have to shift that role. That's what they do. Well, that's Luongo didn't do that. He's been, he's right. 39 years old and t- and and gets injured every time he breathes. No, not every goalie. Still the number one. That. The question on Quick. Well, is, Quick is better than Luongo. I mean, like this this is this kind of goalie. Like that's you're basically telling me Henrik Lundqvist would do that, and I would just laugh at you. 
No, I'm not going to. I mean, and Lundquist isn't there, isn't there yet. And I'm not saying Quick is there yet either. I mean, Quick could be the start no, of this but that's year. That's what I'm saying. If they get there, they'll just quit. They won't do it. I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, I, the one thing I, I agree with the fact that, you know, Carter, you know, Carter Hart is the heir apparent there. And Carter Hart, he, he needs at least this year and maybe part of next year in the American Hockey League to, to you know, get get repetitions, get, you know, get experience before being thrown in, thrown to the wolves in the NHL. If you trade for a guy like Quick and Quick is playing 60 games, Carter Hart is not going to develop playing 22 games in the NHL. It just doesn't work that way. He's either going to have to be the number one in Lehigh Valley and continue to play 50. No, but you also, don't, you also doesn't have to be a 70 game player in the NHL either. I mean, you know, you could come in and play 50 games, you know, and Quick could play 30 games. <laughs> Quick is not going to do that. He has no choice, Russ. I mean, he's going to do that either in L.A. or in Philly. So why would he rather do it? In L.A.? Hell Peterson will barely play when Jonathan Quick is healthy. The beaches are better in, in L.A. than Philly. No, the other goalies are going to – I mean, the Kings are going to get something for Quick. They're not going to sit there with those other two developing goalies and keep them. I I mean, I was talking to people. They're not going to do it. They're okay. just – All right. So here's an example. Okay. Even just getting off Quick for just a minute, let's say the Flyers do go get a goalie because we're all pretty convinced they're either going to do that or get a defenseman. Let's say they get a goalie. They're going to have to get a goalie with term. Unless you're getting Varlamov, which I'm sure Colorado is not giving up, you're getting a goalie with some kind of term. So no matter what, you are going to keep Carter Hart in the AHL for a certain amount of years based yes. on the fact that you're going to get a goalie now. Because like I said, even Jonathan Bernier got a three-year contract. Goalies right. all have term on them now. Yeah, but Bernier got a contract knowing he would be a backup too. I mean, that's another <laughs> – Right, for one for one year. For as, one I year, think that, maybe. As soon as Jim Howard's contract is up. As soon as Jimmy contract, Howard's contract is up, I mean, unless he resigns with the Wings, Bernier is their starter. Right. Right. No, I know that, and I think that that and that you know he's thinking that way too. But the Wings could go out and get somebody else. Mike Smith is another guy the Flyers could get this year. That's only that only has this year left on his contract. But there's a, there are other players like that. But I, I'm telling you, I mean, you got to realize that. That, but Mike Smith's not an upgrade. You're, I'm talking about a goalie with an upgrade. No, I'm, talk, I'm yeah, talking. Yeah, I mean, these are they're two very different plans. Jonathan Quick and Mike Smith. I'm just saying that there's you know, the Flyers are going to go well, one. Gonna, do you really think Fletcher is going to go out and get another lateral move goalie? I don't think so. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you, the, I'll give you the name of somebody who might be an upgrade, who probably is available and isn't long term, in terms signed long term, and that's Corey Crawford. And uh, if there's, if I there's, told they're not getting rid of him no matter what. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, if that's the case. That's if that's the case. Then fine. But I'm saying if if they're, you know, well, that's the thing. If Chicago is buying into the fact that this is a one year retool or one year, let's go for Jack Hughes type of thing, and then next year they're going to build around Taves and Kane, and everything's going to be wonderful. That's what they're going to do. That's what yeah. they're doing. They're they're lying to themselves. Yeah, they're del they're delusional. They're absolutely friggin' my delusional. Ex, my ex spoke to the attendance issue there, and he's yes. right. They did have a time when the attendance dipped so much that they don't want to ever go back to that. Yeah, I, and, I, and I get that, but when when you think when you think of things that way, and this is this is the flawed thinking of the Vancouver Canucks the last few years. When you're thinking with your pocketbook, when you're thinking about keeping the stands filled instead of what is best to get your team back to a level of competitiveness, whether a playoff contender and winning a Stanley Cup, you don't patchwork. You tear it down and you build it up. 
Okay, but here's the – I agree with you, Mike, but here's the problem. And we see this in the NFL because there's so much money in the NFL now, and the NHL's heading that way, especially with this gambling revenue that will get added in. Yeah, if there's a lot of money floating around, nobody's going to pay big top-dollar money for tickets for rebuilding other than a few markets like the Leafs did. Most yeah. of those fans don't want that, and a lot of those teams will try and do it on the fly. They really will. Yeah, one, one right, last text. I got a text from a scout who says, uh, for Russ here, <laughs> who's watching the show, who says, Russ is completely wrong. Quick will have to take a backup role. That's where he's at. Well, yeah, we'll no. see. I'll believe it when I see it, Mr. <laughs> scout. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not just saying that. Just, no, just, tell, tell, right. tell, tell Quick that. that. I'm right. Tell Quick yeah, that. Telling, Make sure you... Telling me that is one thing. Go tell Jonathan Quick that. I've been in the locker room with him. <laughs> oh, I have to. Believe me, I've spent a lot of time with Jonathan Quick. And... So tell Quick, tell Quick that, and bring your Kevlar vest. Um, <laughs> what, what, no. one more, one more thing uh, that came out of the board of governors, and we've talked about it before, and I, and I hope it gains momentum, even though apparently Gary Bettman is vehemently against it. But apparently, a lot of the governors with thirty-two teams want the expanded playoffs 16 out of 32 is not enough they want 20 they want a a play in seven versus 10 eight versus nine i'm all for it i really am it's more you know what no you shorten you got to shorten the season then well i won't do that then shorten it hey shorten it to 78 games no no you shorten you shorten the preseason that's what you shorten yes cut it to four games well, Start. I mean, that's a gimme, anyways. Cut it to three. Well, I'm right. But hey, the, 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 and I totally agree that it is going to be if they do this play in, it will not be an eight versus nine. I wrote about this a couple times. It got laughed off the left off the. No, break. it'll be it's seven, like, ten, eight. No, and I've written, that's what I've written. I go back and I've talked about it. And you oh, guys, I know you have. I know you have. So it's like, and that's because that's what I was hearing from the NHL all this time that it would not be, it would not be like that, like just eight versus nine. It so be. would it be just like a one-off kind of like a like a like yeah a, single game seven versus ten eight versus nine to okay. get it. So eight so versus nine wins thing. nine beats eight in a one game in a one game. What happens if it goes overtime? Sudden death? Oh yeah, yeah. no, it's a playoff game. A playoff game. So then you go to war. To be the ninth, to, to be the seventh and eighth team, to then go play one and two. Yeah. What That's a what reward! Right, but the see, Peter, the seat they're the not seat. going out into the infield and clubbing each other. Like, <laughs> <laughs> in the sixties, they did, but not yeah. Now, okay. the they season, all happen. The, the, the seventh and eighth. On, oh, sorry, go well, ahead. The seventh and eighth seeds will dominate games one of those series because they they're coming off this intense thing and that you know and they're gonna and then but five games four or five they'll be shot. But what, what's what's gonna what's gonna end up happening is the season ends on a Sunday night. The, the one playoff one playoff game will be on Tuesday. The next will be on Wednesday, and the playoffs will start either on Thursday or Friday. That's yeah, what I can see that. The playoffs will start on Wednesday is what they'll do. They'll well, do. they always do, but you have to accommodate. Oh, that, that, they'll have like the four and five teams play on Wednesday. They'll have like right. oh, maybe, yeah, maybe that's right. That they could do that. Yes, they but they, but they right. Yeah, so that's what that they'll have that, and that that's how they they'll play it out. But yeah, the other thing quickly before we go is Drew Doughty. Okay, um, I okay. I talked a long time last night because I didn't. I mean, remember Drew Doughty's on his first year of. Or is he even on his first? No, year? no, no. It's, it kicks in next summer. He's not even on his next first year of major contract design. Um. But um, there's just there's almost nobody who believes he's going to play very long in LA with that contract. It, it's it's incredible when you talk around. People say that the Kings realize that if they're going to move Dowdy, they got to do it now because they're going to get the most return for him now. 
that his contract, you know, is what it is, and that people will, will take Drew Doughty on that contract. You know, that they will go for it. It's going to be a hockey trade, though. Ak. It's going to have to be. Hockey trade. It's not. It's not going to be like we'll give you two first round picks and two of our best prospects. It's, no, no, no. I agree with that. It's not going to be that. It's going to be like, and I'll, I'll use, I'll use Toronto as, a, as an example. It'll be Nealander and yeah. Gardner, or Nealander, and right. you know, and, and right. like two pieces. But I think I, I honestly do believe that this is going to happen. I think LA is getting to the point where they are, you know, and now no, there's, there's. Two schools of thought in LA, as usually there are in every one of these NHL franchises. It's very funny. One of the things I've learned over these years of following rumors is that if you talk to the ownership versus talking to the management, you'll get two totally different concepts on how aggressive we're going to be and how, where we're going to go. And are we are we are we sellers or buyers? It's totally. It takes a long time for those sides to get on the same page. Always, but um, but right now. There's still a group in LA that definitely that we're going to go for it. We're getting everybody healthy now. We're going to still try to make the playoffs. There's another group that really is like this is the beginning. Uh, if we don't move now, we're going to wait till it's till these players aren't worth enough to move. So, well, from what I from what I saw last night, briefly watching them play Detroit, I mean, there's just nothing there anymore. There's nothing there. They're they're a god awful team to watch. They're really. They're really boring, and you know this is a fan base that had three Stanley Cups. You know, they're this 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 is the fan base that is giving up that is really giving up on them. Because when you come off of three Stanley Cups, and then you watch you're watching now, this fan base is perfectly fine with them tearing it apart. They don't care if they trade everybody. Okay, so, Russ. Yeah, quick I don't question. know if Rob Blake is in that mode though. That's the only thing. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's like that, that, that. That's why you have these. You have these differing, differing opinions. You know. Well, the yeah. qu- the question is, I mean, because Doughty is going to be in complete control. Of this he has a no move clause. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's like, okay, do you want to live through three, three and a half, four years of a rebuild in LA? You're getting paid. You're one of the highest paid defensemen in the in the NHL. You've won two Stanley Cups. You won gold medals. It's going to take a little time to redo this. Do you want? And at the end of it, you're going to be 32 because yeah. he's 28 right, right, right now. Or do you want to go someplace you're choosing and have a chance to win Stanley Cups for two the next two or three years? Yeah. If yeah. I if I'm Dowdy, I mean I'm, I know I'm sure he probably loves L.A. and loves the lifestyle there, and he's making big money. But if you still want to win cups. You're gonna to have to go yeah, someplace. Oh, he likes it there. He doesn't love it there, and he yeah. had, he's been there enough. He's, he's already you know LA is great for a while, um, but then it is it, it does it does get boring. I mean that. No, I, I agree. I think I think he can be moved. I think the problem with moving him is because he has the no move. You probably aren't going to get the best value for him. Right. Yeah, he's exactly. going to pick where he goes. I mean, and I heard three teams already. You know, talking to people yesterday, and I wrote them in my blog. Um, the Leafs were the least of those teams, but they were one of those teams. Um, but the other two teams that were more along what I was told what Dowdy wanted to do were the Rangers and the Red Wings. Now, the Red Wings are a strange no. one. I thought, you said, I thought you said the Islanders. Oh, the Islanders and Rangers. I'm sorry. Uh, Rangers. Islanders. Islanders and Red Wings. Sorry. Islanders yeah. and Red Wings. You got Russ here. I'm thinking Rangers on my mind. Islanders and Red Wings. Right. Um Two really interesting situations. I mean, two rebuilding teams as well, but maybe building in a better direction than the Kings are. You know, uh, maybe I mean, for the, the, the Red Wings have more of the kind of assets I think the Kings would want than the Islanders, to be honest. Yeah, and and but yeah. the but the 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 problem with the two of those options is where are they anywhere close to being Stanley Cup contenders. 
Um, the Red Wings. The Red Wings are just as far away as 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 the as the Kings. Yeah, but the, in, but it, but in going in a different way. Like the Red Wings have. Well, it depends. Like if the Red Wings are in the lottery and they have a chance at Hughes, then you can make the argument they're probably not. Right. But but otherwise, you're right. They are. But they have the most to give up, and they will probably be easier to give up. Where the Islanders, they're not going to give up Barzell, and and Anders Lee and Brock Nelson aren't locked up. So how the hell are you trading them? Where, whereas, where, where, whereas, team, whereas teams like you know Toronto has major assets. Tampa right. Bay is looking to upgrade on their blue line. They have they have tons of assets to throw. Yeah. Do you think Nashville would trade PK Subban for Drew Doughty? I think they would. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know that. that. I don't know that. Does PK have any say in that? No. No, I don't think he has a no trade. No, I don't think he has any say in it. But... Right, I don't no, know. They're not, they're not going to. PK's way too popular there. I don't think they're moving yeah. him out. There. I don't think they're moving him out either. Um, I but I think that, that um, you know, I do. I do think. I do. Think, you know, obviously, Toronto's got to get involved in this. He has said before he wouldn't mind playing in Toronto. So we know already that Dowdy would like to play in Toronto. Um, but the issue, and, and the Islanders, yes, they have these players. That Anders Lee is a is a you know big. What he's going to be UFA or RFA? UFA. UFA. He's a UFA. I know that's like such a huge deal. Um, Andrews Lee is probably could be the biggest UFA this summer if he goes there. Um, yeah. You know, him and, Mark, him, and him and Mark Stone, I think those are the two that you really have to look at. Are just like Carl- Carlson Stone. Carlson's Carlson stock value is, plummeting. but he's still it's still going to be big. It's still, still Carlson, be big, but it's still not going to be where these other guys are. Um, Carlson Stone, Duchesne, Lee, Jake Gardner. Those are your, probably your top five. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be. It's actually if those guys don't get signed, we're going to have a lot of fun on July first. But I, you know, most of them are going to get. I, I think there's. I don't think there's any way at all. A few I of think, them will get signed. I still, Duchesne will get signed in Ottawa. I'm pretty sure of that. I think. I, I think Anders Lee is absolutely going to get signed in New York. I don't. Well, think they've got the cap space. I don't know. Well, Lou. I don't know. Maybe Lou's just waiting till the right moment. And, but the other thing with Lou is remember that he's the right moment for Lou could be like oh, Bobrovsky. Don't could be Panarin, obviously, right? We're getting Panarin. Panarin. Yeah, sorry, but um, Panarin, yeah. Everly, Everly, uh, you know, uh, Everly, uh, still, uh, Everly still has value though. He does. He does. Simmons, in Canada. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that there's gonna. I mean, it's gonna be. It's really shaping up to be a really fun July first. You know, if these guys don't get signed and the numbers are getting so big, and they're asking for so much money that you wonder if some of them Pavelski's won't. Pavelski's a free agent. What was that? Yeah. Pavelski. Skinner. We forgot about Skinner. Yeah, I mean, yeah but nobody crazy. believes Pavelski. Pavelski will never hit the market. He'll never hit the market. Just like, just like, just like Austin Matthews will not reach July first for all this, all this. And don't forget the Joe Thornton sweepstakes. <laughs> yeah, no one thinks Austin. I mean, uh, the thing nobody's sweet, nobody's lining up for Joe anymore. I wrote about it on the weekend about Austin Matthews. Zuccarello. People like are crazy with the Austin Matthews offer sheet thing. I put a blog up in like three hundred comments within a minute. But it, it just to me, this is the thing about this is like people forget what offer sheets are. They aren't just like a team throws an offer at you and you have to accept it. An offer sheet is an actual that you agree to sign with another team. Like that's right. actually Austin Matthews going and when when Shea Weber agreed with he came into yeah. Philadelphia, visited with the Flyers, he signed with the Flyers. And and, and, rem- 
and remember this: the ma the max contract is twenty percent of the cap, and if the cap is eighty three million, the 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 max that he could be signed to is sixteen point six million. And I'll bet you, if that offer sheet is made on tw at twelve noon on July first, at twelve oh one, Kyle yeah, Dubas no, says, "F you, I'm signing the offer sheet." Matthew's going nowhere now. Marner is a more scary thing. Um, if Matthew, if someone, you know, if, if, if you're really, if you, if you want Marner, you offer sheet Matthews, right. And then you offer, and that, and you know, cause you know, you know, they're going to match Matthews to the max. But I, I don't, I don't think Marner is going to sign an offer sheet Marner. And I'm not, the lease are not going to rely on this. And we will talk, we, we can talk yeah, about we'll talk more about this for sure. Uh, but, I, but I feel nobody, nobody's totally and utterly happening. ready to see the Toronto Maple Leafs have 27 million tied up in their top two centers. I know, that's the thing. I mean, it's like, it's, it's very, and everybody's like, that, this is headed towards a very bad place. And it's like, I'll start well, a GoFundMe for Arizona to do well, it. Uh, is it yeah. a bad place or is it a good place? Like, well, you drafted well, you've got top well, no, it's a, I mean, it's a good place, but it's, it's well, a good it's, place, but you don't have that. You don't have that young stud, well, which is why I don't think the Maple Leafs should be trading their first round draft pick. And I'll talked about before. I honestly think that the range the, the Maple Leafs can get the uh, defenseman uh, that they need in the first round. No, apparent, apparent, apparently, what what it came out yeah, after first round for twenty twenty three or twenty four. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, apparently, what came out after the, the the contract for Nylander was signed was that there were teams out there that were bidding up Nylander. In terms of like what they would offer him specifically, so the price would get a little higher for the Leafs at six point nine. That yeah. way, it would cripple them more. And don't that's you know that that's that is the way the world they works in the NHL that at all. I what I I was talking to a team very specifically who would who was talking contract with Nylander in the final hours of this, and it what they weren't doing that to. To, to drive up the price for the Leafs, they were just trying to sign a contract with Nylander, and they wanted they right. wanted to no, I, I agree with that. It had the same. I mean, the thing that the thing that broke down though, why Nylander couldn't sign with any other team is is his insistence on the crazy bonuses and his insistence on lockout security, which no one would give him. And that that's and I don't I don't know that he got and, and, security with Toronto eventually. Well, yeah, he, he, because he's got that massive bonus on July first. Yeah, the things that no other team was willing to do. No, you have to remember no, this. Though. Well, you have to remember this if you're. It, most teams in the league, most, either have two guys similar to Matthews and Marner that they look like look at that they're going to have to pay and don't want to lose, you know, right. like McKinnon, Ranton, in. Right. Nobody's going to offer sheet these guys because it's going to happen right to them. And you, and you know happen. what? Neil, right. Neil, Neil, yeah, I talked to somebody else about this, and they were really they were really adamant about this, and they were right that you know that like you know when you think about when. Um, the thing about Taze and Kane when they signed that big those big dual contracts together, the cap at that point was like in the sixties. Like, you know, it was like I think mid to upper sixties when Kane and yeah, and, and Taves signed that deal. And at that and that's when, you know, that's also, you know, when look when Crosby and Malkin signed their big deals, you know, it was like in the sixties, even upper fifties maybe at that point. Um, but so th at that point, everyone's like, you can have two players like that, but that with the caps in the '80s, you can have four players like that. I mean, that's the reality of it. I mean, you well, can all, 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 all I can all I can say is, and we'll find this out after July first of next, you know, July first of next year, is that Nylander may have sown, uh, may have planned his own demise in Toronto by that lockout insurance because after they pay him the bonus 8.3 million on July 1st he's a $700,000 player for that year 
and then his and his cap hit is six point nine. But I'm telling you right now, teams that can get a free year of William Nealander are going to say, "Okay, there you go." You're right. The only player that the only thing that X that I could see getting offer sheeted are goalies. I could see a goalie getting offer sheeted. Yeah, you know, right. You know, now, that's, that's, no, that's possible. I agree with you. you. You know who I can? You know how I can see get offer getting offer sheeted, Russ? I remember guys like Kessler before they were established were getting offer sheeted yeah. because they were going to yeah. get paid. they were going to the it's the mid range guy. It's the guy like Kasperi Kapanen who right. you know got to get going. It, could, it could be a Kapanen. It could be, but I think if you're going to really risk it on a on an offer sheet. You're probably going to do it on a goalie when you don't right. have one or have no way of getting one. We have, we have, we have to go. Um, but I do. And, and, and Pete, you just put this up real quick. What's going on there? Um, I just saw former Hockey Buzz alumni uh, Travis Yost just tweet this out from Mark Berman. NHL sources: Rockets owner Tillman for Jay Fertitta has met with NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman about potential of bringing NHL to Houston. Fertitta has had preliminary talks about buying and relocating the Arizona Coyotes to Houston. Nothing on that happening now. No decisions close. When contacted by Fox 26 Sports, Fertitta declined to comment, as did Rocket CEO, CEO Tad Brown. Okay, interesting. Um, we'll Get the talk moving trucks it. ready, baby. Um, I, I, um, you know, I will tell you this: that I've done a lot. I spent a lot of time on, on relocation stuff back from when Winnipeg was happening and all that stuff, and and when Bell Silly was trying to get the team to, to to Hamilton and all the different. All I've learned a lot about the NHL inner workings. And the one thing that usually means a deal is dead is when it comes out in public, because the NHL is really good at this, at, at keeping these things. Uh, they weren't that good with um, with Atlanta. They really. They actually were. You remember that? They were no, really good with Atlanta. No, we all knew they were going. <laughs> no, we knew eventually, but we didn't know nearly as. Soon. I mean, we knew we knew eventually, but we did not know um, when by the point that that was starting up. Go, go look up. Go look up the 2004 draft where the Atlanta drafted nine players. And got 82 NHL games out of them. We all knew they were going. Trust me. <laughs> we knew they were going somewhere. We didn't know where, though. I mean, that was not. There's, some, there's something I love about about Russ and his volume down. He's got a scream on over top of that. <laughs> I know. I love it. Too. All right. It's awesome. Very oh, good. Um, anyway, we'll talk more about this and other possible <laughs> locations besides Houston that I think are better in Texas. But we'll talk. We'll get into that. That's another discussion for another day. Um, but remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Enjoy the games tonight. We will talk to you tomorrow. Yeehaw!